Welcome to Applied Faith with Pastor Russ Falachi, Senior Pastor of Christian Church of Broomfield, located in Broomfield, Colorado. Our mission is to provide practical application of biblical truth to help you experience true purpose and lasting change that can begin now. Here's Pastor Russ. We're going to look at 2 Peter 1.3. And um, today, I, I mentioned earlier, is just a day of encouragement. Who needs some encouragement? Okay, good. At least 70%. That's great. Okay. So, um, because the word is encouraging, gathering together should be a, a, a time of encouragement. Because in this life, we need encouragement. We need hope beyond hope. We need hope beyond present circumstances. We need hope for something bigger than ourselves. And this is the place to get it. And as we look at 2 Peter 1, it says this, As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to what? One more time, what? Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Now, I want to highlight one particular word, and that word is life. And the way I like to study is to just sit on a verse for a little bit and just meditate on it, but really look at it. And things sometimes that I could assume I understand, I drill down into. And when we see things like that pertain to life, he has given us all things that pertain to life. How does that strike you? How does that word life strike you? That's for each of you to answer within yourself. What is life? See, is life just breathing and eating, you know, existing? You know, I think we could all agree that life itself is precious, right? The greatest gift we have is our life and the life of our loved ones. You know, with new babies coming into the world, like Joanne and Mike Peake are now grandparents. Yeah. I think they might be in the back, but they're somewhere. Are they back here? Oh, there. Hey, Grandma. There she is. She's back there. <laughs> You celebrate that, right? And as you, as you look at your, your, your newborn child, you're like, you're so thankful that it's alive. It's healthy, right? But are your hopes for that baby more than just keeping it alive? Right. There's more for that. Because even if a baby isn't perfectly healthy, you still have hopes for that baby's life, right? That it could live See, living and life are kind of different, aren't they? So when we're seeing this word, giving us all things that pertain to life, it means to live. All things that pertain to, like, living. What's this break? I want you to hear this. This is so important because all of us are living. We're, We're all alive. But what we are all living for is different. All of us are driven by something. All of us have a mindset of what it is to live, like live. But what this does 
is create a common denominator for all of us when it comes to living because it says his divine power has given us all things that pertain to living, meaning God himself defines what it is to live and he places himself within you through the Holy Spirit to empower you to live the way you were created to live. And I, this may be, sound basic, but I'm telling you, there's nothing basic about it because every day we're living. Every decision we're making is based on our concept of what it is to live. So I'd ask yourself, what are you living for? Now, I want to read to you Ephesians 4, 17. It says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. Now, when you see this word, walk, you know that that doesn't mean walk, right? It's not defining, don't walk like the Gentiles do. You know, he's not defining a walk. He's like, now your walk is, it's not walk. Hey, 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 Jesus is calling. <laughs> I'm kidding. You're all right, bro. He's all. <laughs> Walk. What's walk mean? To live. That's what it's talking Again, this is a reference to living. So I'm going to keep saying to live, to live. He said, don't, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, meaning those without Christ. Those without Christ. Okay, to walk means to tread around, walk at large, but more, fi- but more importantly, figuratively, figuratively <laughs> To live. Now watch this. To make one's way progress. To make due use of opportunities. It's the Hebrew word for live. And it means this. To regulate one's life. To conduct oneself. This is what living means. It's how do you regulate your life? And then how do you conduct your life? Those are the aspects of living, right? Can we all agree on that? Every day we're making decisions of, I, I won't do that, right, because of a set of values. But I will do this because of a set of values. I won't do this because of this goal, but I will do this because of this goal. I won't do this because of my experience, but I will do this because of my experience. This is what it means to live. Come on, y'all. This is very important. Because we're going somewhere that's incredible. That It was just a revelation that blew my mind this week. So how was your living this week? How often did you stop and speculate, what am I living for? Now, it says that those without Christ, the Gentiles, it says futility. The root word of this, I love this, is empty. 
profitless. Vanity. So I want you to see, like he's saying, the Gentiles are living, living in a way that is profitless. That is empty. That is all about self. And we could easily be in that category. And I would dare say that often we slip into that category because the life of Christ in us has been, I don't want, I don't, just covered. I'll just say covered, blanketed. But think about it. It's not saying that what they are doing is not admirable. It's not affecting other people. It doesn't mean that it's not praiseworthy in some way. But ultimately, it is empty. I want you to hear, empty. So without Christ, all they have is their understanding. And what it says is, it's been darkened. They've been alienated from the life of God, the living of God. They're alienated from it. They're separate from it. They don't have the hope of living any other way. And ultimately, there is an emptiness that is within them that they are constantly trying to what? Fill. We have privy to the life and to the living of God because of Jesus. So again... What are you living for? If I had you write down something in, in total honesty where no one else would see it, what's the primary thing you are living for? Because something is pulling you through, right? Now, here's the difference. Let's look at Romans 8. Love this. For those who live according to the flesh... According to the futility of their minds, their darkened understanding, their self-serving understanding, their understanding that is darkened and alienated from true understanding that comes through the Spirit of God within us. Those that are separate from this set their minds on the things of the flesh, but to those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded, for to be carnally minded, is what? Like minded, that's present tense, right? To be carnally minded is death. So so there's a big difference between the life of the flesh and the life of, found within Jesus Christ. And though it may seem good, though it may seem profitable, though it may seem fulfilling, ultimately, if it's self-focused, if it's flesh-focused, if it's self-understanding and self-promotion, if it's me, 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 and my understanding and what I need, you see what I It's ultimately death. There's no life in it. And then it goes on to say, but to be spiritually minded is what? Peace. You cannot be spiritually minded. You cannot live for the things of the Spirit without the Spirit. Do you see what a great gift it is to have the Spirit of God within us? That we could live for this thing. That we could live to follow this thing. That we could live to to, to obey its command and obey its leading. And this thing within us, the Spirit of God, is fed through 
his word, as we begin to know him more, right, and more and more and more because it feeds the spirit of God. So it's kind of a check for all of us. It was a big check for me. Because I think we could kind of have a little bit of the, you know, spiritual, the, the fleshly minded, right? And a little bit of the spiritually minded. And over here, it's, you know, the, the things that we do, our jobs and our responsibilities and our relationships, the things that we actually feel that we control. We kind of live more according to our understanding. And then over here, the things that are kind of out of our control. But it doesn't say that. Like every step that we have, you know, every breath that we breathe has been provided from the Lord himself. And your life is precious. Your life has meaning. And it's only found in living in the spirit of God. And seeking the spirit of God. I mean, it's like, how often do we do it? Watch this. So let's go back to 2 Peter. We're going to read it again. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us great, exceedingly great, exceedingly great, exceedingly great and precious promises that, watch this, that through these you may be partakers of the divine Nature. Just let that sink in. We're talking about to live. And it is saying the promises of God over you, the promises of God, which are forgiveness and mercy because of the sacrifice of Jesus, that relationship can now be found and had through the Spirit of God within us. These are the promises of God, and that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, that he has established your works to walk in, that there are good works that you have been prepared to walk in. These are found through the promises of God, not through our own understanding, but God has given us that. How often are you absorbing the promises of God? Let's just start there. We need to know what those promises are. We need to know who he is because it keeps saying, through the knowledge of him. I had this (laughs) image this morning, this idea about the knowledge of him. Because there's like knowledge and then there's like intimate knowledge, right? Like if I was on a dating site and you swiped left or right, I don't know what it is. You could read about me. Well, Russ likes hot dogs and walks on the beach. And this is not true. I mean, what? Yeah, Doritos and, you know, whatever it is, you can kind of get kind of a list and like, ah, now swipe again. But you can kind of know me. But let's say, okay, I want to date. <laughs> this is so stupid. I want to date with him. And then I talk about Doritos and I, I talk about walks on the beach. But more importantly, you actually start to really get to know me as I talk more. My heart begins to be revealed, right? And that's what this is talking about. Is It's one thing to kind of know the promises of God, but to know the giver of the promise. To know the giver of the promise. And to know that he is faithful. To know that he loves you. To know that because of how he loves you, you desire nothing more than to have that be your anchor. There's a knowing, not a surface knowing, but an intimate knowing. And so he says this. 
divine nature. Divine, I mean, that's like, what? We could be partakers of the divine nature. Partaker means sharer, to associate, to partner with. I want, guys, can we just slow down just for a second? Listen to this. This is promising. It's declaring that each of you in Christ can share in his nature. What? And it's not heretical. Because we're only sharing in what he is. But as sons and daughters of God, the creator, the great I am, we can share in who he is. As we walk, we could walk more in divinity and less of the world. We could walk every day sharing in the divine nature. <laughs> and that, just, that, that doesn't mean parting the seas. That means we could hear and see as God sees. We could have a heart as God has a heart. We could share in his nature. And as we live, that's the goal. You see what I mean? As we live for him, we participate and share more and more in that. And I would say, was your last week divine? <laughs> and it's not a question of condemnation, right? It's just to look at our lives and using the word as a measuring stick. Are the things you're posting divine in nature? Are flesh in nature? Are your conversations divine in nature or flesh in nature? Do you see, there's a million different examples, a million different scenarios. But what this is saying, that in Christ, we have all things within us to partake the nature of God. And I love this definition of nature. A mode of feeling and acting which by long habit has become nature, the sum of innate properties and powers by which one person differs from others. Distinctive, native peculiarities, natural characteristics. So the nature of somebody is what sets themselves apart from the other person. Right? Every single one of you have a different nature. Every single one of you. You have peculiarities and differences and characteristics that make you you. God has a nature that makes him God. It's the divine nature, the perfect nature, the holy nature, a righteous nature. It's all that he is. And so to say that as we live, our desire is to share in that. Not to be okay with a little bit of flesh and a little bit of God. But yet we're okay with that. And I'm just saying, guys, this is, I'm going to tell you why this is so incredibly important. There's so many reasons why it's so important. But I just want to read to you a couple verses before I get there. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew he also predestined. What? To be what? One more time. What? To what? There's the nature. This is God's purpose. 
that you be conformed to the image of Jesus, and in that you are sharers and partakers of the divine nature. All things are working together for good to make sure this happens. That Jesus might be the firstborn among many brethren. Then it says in Galatians 2.20, we already read this, I'm going to read it again. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but what? And if Christ is living in you, guess what that produces? Divinity. That's what you call a divine nature. It won't produce anything else. Anything else. Except divinity. <laughs> That's the potential within us. And yes, we are flawed human beings. And we won't, kind of, we won't fulfill our ultimate kind of destiny until he comes back. But man, until then, we have the hope of being set apart and set apart. And when it means set apart, it means you are being cleansed from the flesh and born more and more of the spirit. You're sharing more and more in the divine nature. This is what it means to live. Are you pursuing the divine nature in all things? If that is the pinnacle of your focus, everything else will begin to make sense and come into order. Everything. Everything. This is why he came. This is good news. And I think we need good news like this to keep us going, right? This is encouragement. Because we all need to keep moving. Have you experienced the divine nature? Have you done something and said something and thought something that was so diametrically opposed to how you used to think that you're like, whoa, that was God. That was Jesus. There's more of that. Now, in, in the life which I live now, which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now watch this, Second Peter 1.4. By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. Now here it is. Having what? What? You escape something you don't want to be in, right? You don't escape a good thing. You escape a bad thing. You have escaped what? That is in the world through lust, through sin. Let me read to you some definitions of corruption. Decay. Ruin. Destroy. Perish. You see what this is saying? That in Christ, you have escaped the things that are corruptible. You have escaped the things that are perishable. You have escaped the things that were destroying you. You have escaped the sin that was killing you day in and day out. You have escaped it. It no longer has power over you. You have escaped death, both physically and literally. What do I mean by physically? You're going to see that in a second. But we we don't have to even worry or fear death anymore. You have been released. You have escaped through Jesus, but yet we still act sometimes 
and behave and live as if we were still in bondage. It's like the cage is open, but we like the cage. It's like, no, all you need, all you need for life, true life and true living is found in you through the Holy Spirit. Wow. Now here's the big one. All that we are living for can be taken. I'm just saying, I'm talking temporal. Can it? Loved ones, your own life, jobs can be lost, money can be lost, relationships can be lost, goals can be lost, dreams can be crushed. I mean, I'm sorry to be a downer, but it's going to pay off. (laughs) Right? It can be destroyed. It's corruptible. And so if you're building your life upon it, you're building your life on something that could literally be taken away. Divinity cannot be destroyed. Divinity cannot be destroyed. I want you to hear that. Divinity cannot be destroyed nor defeated. God cannot be destroyed nor defeated. What is in you cannot be destroyed. What is in you cannot be taken. Hear this. What is in you cannot be taken. So if you lose something that you are living for, it may hurt, but it cannot steal the spirit of God. It cannot steal it from you. It cannot rob it from you. It cannot destroy it. But if anything, it can build it up so that you are conformed more and more into the image of God himself. Do you see? Anything else can be destroyed and taken away. There's only one thing in all the world that cannot be taken away. And that is the spirit of God. The living God who lives within you. The Lord God, the most high God, Lord, Master, Lord Jehovah, the Lord, my banner, the Lord, my shepherd, the Lord that heals, the Lord is there, the Lord, our righteousness, the Lord who sanctifies you, the Lord will provide, the Lord is peace, the Lord of hosts, the everlasting God. This is who dwells within you. Come on now, folks. And if we really knew that, if we really believed it, man, why aren't we living for it? Because to live for that takes care of everything else, and it cannot be robbed. You don't even have to fear death, because death is gain. Come on! Philippians 1.20, first, yeah, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all Boldness as always. So now also, here is what it is to live. Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by what? For to me, to live is what? To live is what? To live is how simple can it be? And to die is what? It can't be destroyed. You all, do you see what a precious promise you have over your life? Do you see what is in you? 
the Holy Spirit of God, a seal placed upon your heart when you accepted him in faith. You are a son and a daughter of the Most High King. And if our goal is to live for him to be glorified, for him to be magnified, we may lose everything around us. But you know what? It's okay because it's destructible. It's corruptible. But to live for the only thing that cannot be destroyed will mean continued life, continued hope, continued peace. And there is no longer a fear over your life that says, you're going to die. You're going to die. You're going to die, which is true, which is true. Just go to a cemetery. (laughs) Everyone has a beginning. Everyone has an end. And the worst is the eternal end that is separate from the life of God. That's a fate worse than death. That's true death. A couple more verses. Hebrews 2.14, and as much then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same that through what? He might destroy him, our enemy, who had the power of what? That is the devil. And release those who through fear of death were all their lifetimes subject to what? He defeated it. Oh! So what is in you defeated death. Like, did you see what I mean? Then when you have, when you're sharing in the nature of God, you see death in its perspective from the throne of God. You see this earth and the world and your priorities from the throne of God and what it is to live, to really live. Come on. This is what revival is all about. It's catching, it's catching this revelation. And I mean catching it. Going, I don't want to live for anything else but this. And I can carry that into every ounce, every aspect of my life. Because it's with me all the time. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And we'll go in and out and find pasture. Woo! The thief does not come except what? And what? Destroy. Destroy. He will lure you in, lure you in, and then destroy the very thing that he lured you in with. And it says, I have come that they may have what? And they may have it more what? Because the life that he is talking about is a life found in Jesus. A life that exists within you that transcends anything. Any circumstances, because life is hard, there will be trouble, people die, we're decaying. (laughs) Amen to that. (laughs) You can't stop that process, but what you can stop is trying to recapture that and to stay in a certain place. But no, I have this. I don't care how old I am, I don't care how much I limp, I don't care. I'm living for Christ. And that cannot be destroyed. Romans 8.35. Well, I just want to read a quick verse in Isaiah 54. No weapon formed against you shall what? Prosper. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And ultimately, any weapon formed against you wants to prosper in robbing you of the life found in Christ, in God. 
It wants to get you focused on something else. It wants to rob you. Do not let the enemy or the weapon prosper. And the weapon may give you a diagnosis. That weapon may be someone betraying you. That weapon may be something horrible happening to you. It does not mean that God isn't good, but we have the promise that it won't prosper. It's actually going to build you. It's actually going to build you. It's actually going to create in you a deeper understanding of who our God is and the eternal nature of who he is. And you are still connected to him through the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? So tribulation, distress, persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword, as it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. For your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter, yet in all things we are what? Through him who loved us. For I am persuaded. Are you all persuaded this morning? For I am persuaded. Persuasion is powerful. If you're not persuaded, let's pray for some persuasion. For I am persuaded that neither what? What? Or life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is our life. That's what we live for. Come on! It's all right to get excited. I'm going to read to you this last verse. And as I do this, Mark and Zach, you can make your way back there. We have a baptism today. We want to do it at the end to celebrate a salvation, to celebrate this next step of Zach's walk, who has entered already into these promises. And this is a way of saying, I am crucifying myself. I'm identifying with Jesus in his death so that I can rise again in his life. And that now the life I live, I live in Christ. And this is why baptisms are so awesome. I mean, it signifies what we're talking about. The goodness of Jesus and his grace and his mercy that is an offer to every one of us in the newness of life that is found. And now, after being a, a believer for some time now, he's like, I, I want to take this step to declare in front of everybody. Now listen to this verse. Therefore... I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in what? The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Are you catching this? Which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and then seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come, it cannot be destroyed. He is the king of kings, the king of kings. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is in his, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. This is our hope. Hope. 
We need to be reminded of this. When we say we are followers of Christ, this is the catalyst. This is why we live for him. We live for him who is all, who is above all, who is the king of kings, the great I am, and he dwells within us. Nothing can destroy you in Christ. Nothing. And some of you need to hear that today. You may be feeling and experiencing incredible pressure and fear. You're not going to be overcome. You will not be overcome because Christ Jesus is in you and he cannot be destroyed. He is with you. You've been listening to Applied Faith with Pastor Russ Falachi, an outreach of Christian Church of Broomfield, located in Broomfield, Colorado. To contact Pastor Russ, visit his website at russfalachi.com. That's Russ, F-A-I-L-L-A-C-I dot com. Thanks for listening. And remember, an alive faith is an applied faith.